the Young Black Suburbans. I'm here with my co-host, Justin Renfro. Justin, what's up? What's up? Welcome back, everybody. We've been, uh, been doing real good with the with the podcast thing recently, getting some good reviews already. Uh, you already picked up a little uh, interest in maybe having a future sponsor. Yeah, so yeah, things are definitely picking up. People like what we're putting out, so stay tuned for more. All right. Today... Uh, on our show, we got a very, very special guest. Um, it's not every day that somebody can get a world champion uh, boxer to be on their show, but when uh, that boxer happens to be your own father, it tends to be a little bit easier for you. Um, we have the two-time heavyweight world champion, uh, probably four or five-time North American champion. Twice. Twice, hey. twice, two times. Two-time North American, one-time USBA. These are the small type. Of yeah, all right, so Tim Witherspoon, <laughs> seniors in the house. So why don't you finish that, your, your accolades? Okay. Uh, um, um, what they do, well, you was, you was uh, saying all these other belts. Um, and what they do to uh, up-and-coming boxers when you get to a certain level, they give you these small belts to pacify you. And then they sort of get have you get you ready for the big title. So you were saying to me like I was two time uh, uh, North American, one time USBA, and then a couple of the little ones. So they right. give you that so it expire you and make you want to push hard and get ready for the big one. Right. And um, before uh, we get into the championships, there's a lot of work you had to do before you got to that level. Um, you grew up in South Philly. With uh, how many brothers and sisters? Um, eight. There's, I have ten siblings, but there's eight. Eight I grew up with, um, uh, and five, uh, four more brothers and three sisters. And there's eight of us here. In one house. Yeah. That's yeah, good. we had to yeah. fight. I think we had to fight for the food because I was already in front of the line. I was, <laughs> o- I was always. They used to tease me about that. I was always waiting. When my mom was almost finished, I was the first one there all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, um, I know how South Philly was through the stories that I heard growing up. Um, you just a baby. Even before, when you were small, uh-huh. I'm talking about stories of, uh, you know, how you had to walk to school in groups and stuff oh, like yeah. that. Um, oh, yeah. Do you want to um, maybe touch on how the dynamic of your neighborhood was? Yeah. Um... Okay, uh, when, I, when I was little, um, we, we lived in, in the center. And the center was the Jewish, the blacks, and then it was Hispanics, like, slowly dropping in. Um, then as years went on, um, well, not years went on, it just started building up, but there was Italians that lived from 9th to, like, 18th, 9th. To like, yeah, like 18th you're from Street. 7th Street. Yeah, I lived on, I li- I'm from, well, well people laid, labeled 7th Street. They was labeled on the gangs, gangs, 5th Street, 13th Street. They were to kind of like make that so you can understand. Um, uh, so, so, uh, you made me. I had my thing on track. <laughs> no, no. So, no, so, so was the Jewish, yeah. and a lot of the young blacks used to work for the Jewish. You had Italians from Ninth Street to like Eighteenth, and you had the Irish, the Mummers, and everybody from like Fourth to Front Street. Right. And so, um, every day when you when we went to school, we had to go in groups. And if you went by yourself, you was in trouble. And if you and if and when you was in, when you were in school, if if uh, you was late, you had to run home. 
So it was that bad when we were little. Right. We had to walk in groups. But also, um, you also got a lot of culture from uh, the Italians. You know, you, you mentioned a lot that you grew up at where the Italian market was. Yeah, Italian market. Um, yeah. You know, right you, you, you went to Jewish summer camp. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. That there's, was... there's a there's a, a little girl that comes to our uh, gym, and uh, she added us on social media and. When you add somebody, that's how you uh, find out who their mutual friends are. Okay. And her mutual friend was Golden Slipper Summer Camp. Oh. So I added them. And then when she came in just uh, two days ago, I asked her, I said, so did you go to Golden Slipper Camp? She said, yeah. Um, and I said, oh, my father went there. And I guess it's been a camp for 70 years. Um, yeah, real long, yeah. Something like that. So uh, it was a Jewish foundated camp uh, camp and um. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, well, why don't you go into how you got, how did uh, African-American in South Philly get to go to uh, Jewish summer camp? Okay. um, Turn your phone off, too. Yeah, I am. (laughs) I'm sorry. Oh, here we go. Um, Okay, so, so I was, when I was born in like 7th Street, uh, you, a lot of people was affiliated with like 7th and Emily. Down there, I was I was born on Emmy Street, Seventh and Emily, and um, there's a on the corner there's a um recreation center, but it was like a it was like a three story, it wasn't really big, and would it would cater to um to uh, underprivileged kids and mostly blacks, and we would go there. So um every summer they have like counselors, different counselors come from universities, different colleges, and one came. His one came one came this summer. His name in the summertime. His name was uh, uh, Peter Iskin, a Jewish guy, right. and um, and um, everybody in the neighborhood fell in love with him. He was real nice, and at that time, then you know, it was like racial stress and everything. But everybody loved Peter uh, down there, so um, he took, I guess, a couple of the one the good kids because a lot of kids was bad. He was in gangs. <laughs> And they still love Peter, our Jewish right, right, guy. Right, right, they was in gangs, it was racism, and Peter the only guy to walk into the neighborhood. Um, so I th- uh, later on he had he had uh, something to do with us going to Golden Slipper. He hooked us up with one of his other Jewish friend that gave me and my brother Stevie a job working in this factory where where they make uh, uniforms and outfits and stuff. Right, right, right. And he he got us hooked up with Golden Slipper Camp. And um, that's when we started going there. Um, and then, What'd you do at the camp? Oh, at the camp, I learned how to play soccer. Um, I learned how to I learned how to play soccer and different things. It's kids from everywhere what were brought there. I learned how to say to say the the, uh, the Jewish prayer for bread. Blessed art thou, Lord our God, King of the Universe, to bring it forth bread from the earth. I learned that because I went there three times. Then my sisters and brothers started going, um, and it was it was a, it was a really good camp. Um, and it changed it changed me and my siblings' lives, the ones that went there. Right. So was it a sleepaway or? Yeah, it was a sleep. Uh, you stay there for two weeks. Uh, okay. You don't have to pay, um, and you just meet different kids from everywhere. Um, so we had a privilege to do that. But on the weekend, Peter used to come down and sneak me and my brother Stevie. We used to sneak us out. He said, "Meet us over here," because he didn't want the other kids to be up, get upset. So he he picked two of the the less uh, aggressive kids and took. We used to go to the suburbs of um, 
Sheltonham every weekend, every other weekend. We used to go there, eat matzo ball soup. Uh, his mom, here, we, here I am coming from an area where there's a lot of racism, and we hear the N-word four and five times a day going and coming from school, and we go to his house and his mother kiss us. Mm-hmm. As soon as we come in the door, come here, give us a kiss, and, and take your clothes off, come on, and really warm. And I'm like, when that first happened, I was shocked. I was like, this white lady kissing me. <laughs> and we usually hearing N-words and go home N and get over, you know. And and so that at a young age, I realized that everybody's not racist. At a real young age, we was like eight and nine, and so that kind of like changed me. Right. So yeah, that, that kind of suburban experience built the foundation yeah, yeah. for you um, to be a positive person in your neighborhood, and you were more in the sports. I understand. Um, yeah, I, I was really a punk to get in the gang. Yeah, <laughs> to get in gangs, I would fight you, but uh, to get in gangs, you had to have a lot of heart. Um, I didn't think that gangs, to me, was was the right way to go. Uh, that was the only the only uh, options. A lot of options. There was a lot of options, but at that time, everybody was getting in the gangs just to protect themselves, and they felt that we we dealt we definitely wasn't being treated right. So that was a kind of like culture thing that they had to do then to protect themselves and to 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 make sure they survived right, back right, then. Right, yeah. Right. Right. Um, and your survival was through sports, though. Yeah. yeah. Sports. Sports. And and through sports. Matter of fact, all my siblings was involved. All my brothers uh, was involved in sports. But my oldest brother, your Uncle Ralph, he wasn't. He played football one time, but he was involved with the gangs. Right. Um, and uh, he kept us out of it. Right. If if you even thought about being in the gang, we was in trouble. Not from mom or dad, from my oldest brother. Right. But he was in the gang. <laughs> right. But I was too scared. I prefer sports. sports and there's another guy named Tom. What sports did you play? Oh, I played uh, I played uh, football, basketball, baseball. But Tommy Wade was another important person in our life. He was a black man that uh, worked for NBC. Um. He's from the neighborhood, but uh, he eventually moved moved up to New York and worked for NBC. He would he, he worked for NBC doing some type of uh, paper, some type of uh, I forgot what they call it, printing stuff. And and he would come home every weekend and make sure us, me, Butchie Knight, Anthony, my older brother Anthony, my older brother Steve, uh, a couple other guys, make sure we stay on the right track. You know, don't don't be bad. And we would be good because if he heard, he would be mad. And he wouldn't, it wouldn't be no physical thing. It was a mental thing. Him being upset was with us. He, you met Tommy before. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He, 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 like we wouldn't, we didn't want him to be disappointed in us. Right. And that's why we was good. We were good. And um, there was a whole bunch of us. No, it was about seven or eight of us. And he called us the Mighty Crusaders. We would go to church every Sunday, come home, go to church, and, and sometimes stay overnight. Um, him him, and Peter were really two uh, really good people in our lives that helped, directed us. Now, my father who was a good guy, but he wasn't around all the time. And um, you know how it was for a, a black man back then. Mm-hmm. It was hard for us. You, you could research and and go into books and everything. It was kind of hard for us coming up trying to find our, out what we should do in our lives and everything. And and uh, I think America made it difficult for us, or what the world did for us. So 
So how did you transition into boxing with all uh, with all the sports and all these different people's influence? Okay, well, well, Tommy Wade was grooming this. He sent this. We would be on the corner selling little tickets. Now, he brought, uh, I think he brought like a little radio, a little radio that probably cost 40 bucks. And he would have me, Butchie Knight, my brother Anthony, my brother Stevie, a uh, couple other guys on the corner of 7th Street of the Jewish market uh, selling raffle tickets so one of us could go to summer camp. So we would all be selling the tickets. But then in the end, I think we had to pick. But I think he chose. Tommy Wade chose who would go. I was disappointed the first time. He was selling all these tickets. And then I thought I was going to go. And he picked my brother and Butchie Knight. So I felt kind of bad. And, and, and they went. But then I did go. And we, the next year, he chose me. And, um, and Butchie went twice. <laughs> Butchie went twice. But we would go out there and work. And and that's how we got. He would he he would, he would teach keep us. Talking, keep talking. He would teach us. He would teach us baseball, basketball, football. He was grooming us to be professional. I was a tight end. Mm -hmm. He was grooming us to do all that stuff. And um, and um, I just branched off in the boxing. I got hurt. I got hurt. Um, football. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I got hurt in um, university. It was a small college. And I caught a pass over the middle, and this uh, these two these two uh, cornerbacks got me, yeah. and they 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 had, you know I was on my way down, and this big linebacker spared me right in the back. He hit me right in the back, and so uh, you know I tried to recover. They sent me to the rehab, and then a lot of stuff went wrong, and me and my friend went home. Me and my mm -hmm. friend Keith Davis, we, we went home. And then I started boxing. Mm -hmm. So that, and that. So that injury helped propel you it's to that, that to the boxing career. To the boxing. Um Yeah, I was I was when I went home I, I, I felt that my football career, trying to be a professional football player was gonna be extra hard, uh because of the injury <laughs> and everything. And I was just in my mind my mind really wasn't I, I had a four year scholarship paid for and I barely went to school. I didn't have nobody pushing me, telling me, man, you better get that free education. Right. And we was going to school. I went to some classes. It was difficult. Everything was confusing. That was one of the main things, too. And and I realized later that I blew a free education, which I would tell my kids and anybody else, if you get a free four-year scholarship, take advantage of it. I didn't have no support to right. tell me, yo, stay in there, do this, do that, you know. My mom had to raise eight kids. Right. And it you turned know. out, though, to be a blessing in disguise in yeah. a way, you know, because um, you came home. And uh, do you remember your first experience going to the boxing gym? This might be hard. Right? No, no. When, when, when I, um, when I, when I. <laughs> well, for, for me, it's hard because I can't remember. But you were actually an adult yeah. when you first went to the boxing gym. What age was that? Um, I think I was 20 or 19, 20. Yeah. Right. And, and yeah. So you decide that, okay, I'm just going to go to the boxing. No. Yeah. All right, what happened? Okay, I came home. I came home. Uh, you know, me and Keith, we came home. I thought my mom was a little disappointed. Um, I told her the story, though. I told her the story, what happened, about us getting there. So uh, Buster Drayton, I don't think Earl Hargrove, who two He's champions our, from yeah, my neighborhood. Two, that, there's like 
four or five of you from the same neighborhood that became world champions. Um, there's three. Oh, three. Yeah, Anthony, yeah. my brother Anthony had a had a, a a small title. Right. Uh, but he was on his way to a championship. All from within blocks of each other around the same time. A couple of those guys are a little bit older than you, right? Yeah. But yeah. It's, that's amazing. Air to pearl. Something in the in the water down there at that time. Yeah. Um. So you know you're in there, you're training. Uh, when did you uh finally realize like, whoa, this is what I want to do with my life. This is because I know because I'm your son that you were working in a hospital. Yeah, uh, right, Pennsylvania, uh, Pennsylvania Hospital. hospital. Yeah. Um, what was your job there? Uh, I was working in the kitchen. We was uh, I have special functions. They had me in special functions. <laughs> it's kind of like a funny ending to it too. Um, they put me on special function functions with a, a couple of other people. It's like all the important surgeons and doctors coming from different parts of the world and from different parts of the country, and we had to set the whole setting up. Food, wine, all that stuff, and all that, and then we had to pick the tables up. So it was me and several other uh, persons doing that. Afterwards, I would take the wine. <laughs> they leave a lot of wine, and we would drink it. Um, so when, when he didn't want to talk about that, <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. There came a point yeah. where you decided, like, I'm gonna go full steam with okay. this boxing. And yeah. when did you decide to leave the hospital? Okay, and, and that you were gonna try this as a career. Okay. Well, I just heard. I heard um, other other uh, friends friends that I grew up was going to the gym, and um, I just and I thought about. It. I was working one day, and I said, I said, why? How I can't end this this thing that we worked hard on, like like football. I was supposed to be a football player. I said, man, I got to do something. I got to get back into something. And I heard that they were boxing. Um, Buster Drayton, Earl Hargrove, Kenny Reese. They was all boxing. And um and Anthony heard my brother Anthony talking about. It. I said, "Yo, Keith Davis was another was my partner. He was all Pennsylvania tight uh, tackle. We the ones went to the couch and came home. So I said, man, let's go over there and try that.' And so we we talked to this number writer from the neighborhood. He was a serious guy. He knew all the mob. He said, "Yeah, I'm gonna take you to one of the best trainers. You just you just uh hook up with me next week." So. We couldn't find him. He like disappeared and stuff. So we went on our own, and we went to the gym. I told my brother Anthony. I said, Anthony, I came. I think came a little bit after. So we went to the gym. We walked up the steps, the old Passion Gym. We walked up the steps and just looked out, and was oh. But Buster Drayton was the one that encouraged us to go to the wrong to his his trainer. But we were supposed to go to this guy, this other guy. Buster's a good guy, though. Yeah, that's my man. Buster, but he said, yo, I got a guy for you, but we were right. supposed to go with the number writer. Right, right, right. So right, right. we didn't wait for him and went with Buster. Right, and right. We, we ultimately winded up with a trainer that wasn't so good. He was a nice old man, but uh, he wasn't good to take you all the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, Clarence Booker was his name. Clarence Booker. Yeah. So you had to come to the realization... Uh, that you needed a little help, um, and and you you went out and you found somebody else that kind of changed your life. Okay, okay, you talking you talking to um Booker Booker. So um, we already know you said Booker. Yeah, yeah you said he couldn't take so you to that level. You found, so who could, who but I didn't. How, how did you get from yeah. that level to becoming two time world champ? Who? Okay. How did that happen? Okay, so I was, uh, real quick, I was with Clarence Booker, uh, also was Buster Drayton. Um, Buster Drayton knew how to fight a little bit before he went there. 
Um, so, so um, I was, I was, my very first fight, real quick, my very first fight, they put me in there with a four-time Golden Glove winner. And I didn't think that was unusual to afterwards because I'm just learning. So I get in there, I'm, I fought, the bell rang, I'm fighting this dude, he's really big and we banging and, and he's banging me up. So after the fight, I had blood in my mouth and everything. And I was like, man, this, the rest of my career can't be like this. Right. So then I ran five more fights. I ran five, I ran five more fights and, or six more. And then I fought Joe Frazier's son for the, the finals and I lost the decision. It was a close fight. Um, then Marvis Frazier. Marvis Frazier. Yeah. Then it was the word going around that um, Larry Holmes, the great Larry Holmes, wanted because they heard about me, wanted uh, to see what I was like, and wanted me to be a sparring partner. They was gonna pay me a thousand a week. They told Clarence Booker, and Clarence Booker never told me. And these are all a lot of things that you learn on your way up a ladder to try to be successful. So Clarence Booker never told me. So. Somebody had told me this. Somebody had told me this, and um, I didn't confront Booker. So I just left. I was like, I left and I went to spar with Saad Muhammad. Um, and then later on, I found out that, um, no, I'm jumping ahead. I, I won the title and I went home and I, I went to go see Clarence Booker. I had the belt and everything. I went to his gym. I knew he wasn't a good trainer. He was a real nice old man. Um, but I wouldn't have made it with him. Mm -hmm. And I, I said, hey, I want to come and help you now, man. I'm champion now. Yeah. And he said, don't come in my gym. Wow. Yeah, he said, don't come in my gym. So I know I jumped a little further but in the conversation, but that's what happened. Um, I was thinking about him a lot. Um, I know he wanted to really like be involved with the boxing, which he already was. He used to train Boogaloo Watts and stuff. But I would have got killed. if I would have never made it if I would have stayed with him. Right. So who helped you? So. Okay, Slim Robinson. Right. Slim Robinson, um, what happened was when I came home and I started sparring with uh, Saab, Matthew Saad Muhammad and his, his manager and trainer was Nick Bellafury. They were trying to get me. They were trying to get me, but I already knew that Slim Jim Robinson and um, wanted to, and I knew he was a better trainer. I knew Slim Robinson was a better trainer. He trained Mike Rossman, the Jewish bomber, who was really a good light heavyweight. I was hanging out with him. Uh, at the how long ago <laughs> when I, I went to go accept an award with you oh right you at the Leah Corson yeah uh, and no, I was somewhere else and I was in England and yeah you, you were in England yeah. I, but the the award ceremony was at the Leah Corson okay and, uh, he 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 wouldn't leave me alone because I was your son. So he was excited. Oh, Tim. Blah, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, all right, Mark. I live a good year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a he nice like, guy. Man. Man. I know. Nice I wasn't guy. nasty to people and all that. I wasn't nasty, yeah, yeah. a jackass or nothing like that. And, you know, I want my mom to be proud of me. My mom right. and people that was behind me. So I didn't want to leave no right. bad, bad things. So um, I found out. I knew Slim was a good trainer because when I was training with Clarence Booker, he was right across the... He was right across, right? We could see each other right, in the right, same right, gym. Right, right, they right, changed right, right there, and right, we changed right, right, right there. Right, right, right. And so he, and I know that they were trying to do something. Because when I was in the gym, there was word going around, you know, they were saying, you know, that they were trying to get me to go with them. And eventually I did. You know, I had to do it. Right, right, right. Well, I wouldn't have made it. You know, you ended up becoming successful. Yeah. Uh, and. 
technically, you're the reason why this show is called Young Black Suburban. Uh, you gotta let me know this. Let yeah. me know. Well, you know, I, on, on previous episodes, I've told people that one of the best things you ever did was move your kids to the suburbs. Yeah, I did. Um, to go to another first, because you, you've been living in the city your whole life up until that point. You made, yeah. you made a couple dollars. I traveled uh, outside a lot, though, with right. Peter and, right, right. you know. But you decided that you were going to make your base. When... And, when did you think that, you know, I had to move to the suburbs instead of staying in the city? Well, you know, there was a lot of, uh, there's a lot of negative stuff going around. There was a lot of people getting killed. There's a lot of drugs. Um, what I wanted to do was take my family out on the outside and relax and get them ready to come back in and help people. That was really my dream to, 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 to get, to try to get, to take my kids out and um, try to try to put them in a position where they can go back and help their family out or help other people out. That's real. That was that what was really in my mind too to take them to a better place because it was really bad in the city. Right, people right. getting killed, people robbing, and stuff like that. But really, I wanted my kids to be leaders and stuff, and like go back into the neighborhood and help mm. young black people or even young white people that need help. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 so we had the opportunity. Now it's our turn to help other people. But there's a lot of things that went negative, and that and the, yo, they doing it now. My kids are doing it. But if I was on the right track, I think it would have been a hundred percent better. Um, there's a lot of things that happened with me that caused my children not to. They were good kids. Everyone, I've never had that discipline. You, uh, the you net. specifically. Pointing out kids he didn't have to discipline because there was a couple. <laughs> what? I didn't. He said, I never had to discipline. I never. You. <laughs> I never. No, you I never you wouldn't cry one night. You was only seven months old. And so I I, I, I picked your leg up and did like that. And then you you said, uh uh-uh. uh. And then then you, you wouldn't go to sleep. And I, you were six months old. And I said, that's the only beat you got. Yeah, I don't remember ever right. getting beat. I never had to discipline Yaya. I never had to discipline Lynette. Um, Mecca, uh, India. I, n- I, never had to, I never had to discipline my kids, really. You know, put them on punishment. I never had to do it. I, I, I had some good shit. We got to discipline you. Right. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not saying nothing wrong. I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not saying like, I'm, I'm just saying that I really never had, you know, some kids... Their parents put them on punishment or beat them with a belt. I never had to beat my kids. Yeah. I never. You don't remember um, no beatings? No, nah, never. Never. Um, I worked it out pretty good. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like I said, you moving us to the suburbs was a great thing. The educational Yeah, it uh, was. Much better. was much better. I remember going, you know, sometimes we have to go to your mom's house mm-hmm. and uh, do homework. And, and I remember the difference between what I was doing and what my cousins were doing, mm-hmm. even though we were in the same grade, you know. It was different, um, right? So I, and, and, you know, people talk a lot about certain people having privilege. I have to own up that being grown up in the suburbs is definitely a privilege because my own family members don't have some of the benefits yeah. that uh, I have. That's something that you did. Um, and, and along with that, uh, you were two-time world champion. Then you became, after your career, a coach. Yeah. Even during your career, yeah. you, you, you were coaching. 
you were my trainer. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been all around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see Muma, Clint Woods, yeah, Woods. Uh, and, and mentor a lot of people around the area. Um, but a lot of, lot of real quick, if remember, remember what you, you're going to say, but a lot of times I couldn't get jobs because I was loyal to the boxers and I wouldn't take no extra money or nothing like to sell nobody out. So that's why you don't see me in the corners with a lot of people because they knew, and I went up against promoters. Mm-hmm. I would let them know in the newspapers if there was, if it, you know, any negative ripping off and all that. Uh, I just, I just... That, that was me. And Why don't so, you elaborate on that? Like, where did that passion come from where you feel like you had to stick up for uh, fighters and, and, and be there? Why is that something that you really feel strongly about? Well, that that, that came... Oh, besides being a fighter yourself. Well, that came from my, my background. Right. You know, we had to fight back. There's a lot of things I didn't like when I was little, and I wanted to see it get better, and it just went on to me and everything I did as I grow up. I don't want to see people getting killed. I don't want to see people gang worn. I don't want to see race riots. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to see that stuff. So, so um, it, whatever I could do to try to make things, make things better as 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 you know when you get bigger, you know. But wait a minute, I forgot about. So I forgot <laughs> what the first thing you were saying. That was very oh, important. You threw me off too. Yeah. <laughs> no, he was talking about. Uh, you got into boxing and how uh, after after your fighting oh, yeah. days so, you were you were trying to protect the boxers. Yeah, what I was oh to yeah, do, yeah, yeah. I was yeah, just okay. trying to point you yeah. in the direction. I didn't get hit about, that much. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> some of the things that happened to you in your career and, yeah. and the reasons why. Uh, That's one of the reasons. Yeah. So yeah, you know, uh, your Don King was yeah. your promoter. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, well, yeah. With Don King, um, we heard about him. I didn't want to go. I didn't really want to go with him. Um, and I'm gonna say this on the on 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 on, on, this, on the podcast. Um, my manager was Mark Stewart, and this is serious stuff. He was he was serious. We had a situation wait a, situ- a situation <laughs> like Mike Tyson did. In other words, he had everything set up for him. He had managers getting his money, representing him. So did we. Me and my brother Anthony, Bernard, Bernard, Bernard Hawkins, uh, Uncle Artie McLeod was with us, uh, Greg Robinson, my brother Anthony, um, and he had a, a Sterling Quick. We had a team. We had a team, and my manager, Mark Stewart, was going to make Don King pay this. We used to sit down and have meetings. He was, we, we had everything. We, we was... We we always had meetings and setting up and like signing like like writing notes down and all this type of thing. He he got us everything we needed, a car, place to stay, was giving us a weekly salary. He said we're gonna make Don King pay, you know? And he wasn't really talking negative business wise. He said we're gonna make Don King pay. And then we eventually wound up with Don King when his partner, Mark Stewart partner, Larry Levin, got caught with 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 with, uh, with drugs, a lot of drugs. Larry Levine, they called him Doctor Snow. I didn't realize, I didn't realize um, what was going on. I was always wondering why everybody in the office was sniffing. <laughs> and I go to the office. When I go to the office, I see people doing this in the office. But we really went downhill when Larry Levine, who was a really nice person, Mark Stewart was really good. They were good guy. He was a dentist. They called him. You know, if you look it up, you'll see Larry Levin was a dentist, mm-hmm. and he had that's why they called him Doctor Doctor Snow, <laughs> and and so they got busted, and that's how we wound up with Don King, and then we went with Don King. We had all the fights, 
and we're going to go forward with this thing, but I'm going to let everybody know um, we went through hell. And this one of the reasons why I want to help boxers and do the right things. But in the end, it's not going to help me any by still criticizing Don. Mm-hmm. It's over. Mm-hmm. He punched me in the face. I punched him back. Mm-hmm. I'm going to continue on doing what I'm doing, helping boxers. I, I, I let you know how we should do stuff, mm-hmm. you know. And and, and um, um, I'm going to always help people, you know. Because, mm-hmm. um, um, you know, the boxing industry is getting better to me. Um, um, but, but that's one of the reasons why I, I, like, like you said, I want to, um, um, like we're going to start unions. We want to start all kinds of things and, mm-hmm. and, and try to make like boxing, boxing yeah. players association. That's what, yeah. that, you know, one of the things that yeah. we're going to be doing with the solidarity project, um, is, you know, I don't know how big of a scale, you know, it's just the beginning, but mm-hmm. we want to give retired athletes, uh, a place where they can work, where they can get a job. Um, and give back because a lot of us have a degree in our sport yeah. um, and we have a lot to give back um, so one of the ideas that I had was you know we have all these kids that are around here that need help mm-hmm. we we see it every time we go to the city or we go to a boxing gym there's a retired fighter um, who's either still working out or he's trying he got maybe one client here or or even when we go to an event, you see a retired fighter who's not doing anything in the sport, but has has a lot to give. Yeah. So the Solidarity Project um, is going to help out with that, with us getting one retired fighter, one retired football player at a time, um, and getting them involved with giving back to these kids. Yeah, there's um, no organization, there's no organizing once you retire. Right. And that's what we need. Right. After you retire, there's we no need pension. something there. Look um, at me, I feel rusty talking. When I should have been... They should have called me and other boxers in to do interviews. We home sitting down on the couch. So, um, oh, we, this is only part one. We we gonna get okay. you back on. Well, I'm rusty. You know, you're yeah. rusty. You're, the second time yeah. you're gonna be on yeah. the couch with a cigar. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what I'm trying to say, I'm rusty now. Yeah. Yeah. What they do in, in in football, they call you guys right in and try to. I don't yeah, know how many stuff, yeah. they call you and put you in. But us, you just on your own and yeah, and break. Right, so they. So yeah, but. Before we uh, finish up, you know, we want to touch, you know, so yeah, some boxing fans, yeah, boxing fans are going to be tuning in. So, so like, give us okay. like, what do you think your uh, toughest fight? I always used to say with my kid's mother. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, no, when people ask me to ask me that, that's what I usually say just to have, just to, um, so they can laugh. Yeah, you yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, but my toughest fight was with uh, a, a, a boxer, uh, Mark Wells was his name. Okay. Um, but what it was, it would have been an easy fight if I was in shape. So this was during the time that um, I was really having feud, a feud with Don King. And so I had to, I had to have a plan to try to, I had left him and I had to try to get a plan to get back in the industry because he, I was kind of like blackballed if I didn't do what he say. Yeah, he so, said, yeah. so I said, man, you know, I'm gonna go in there and, um, and just be friends. But have my plan, have my people ready to fight back. So I was going to start fighting, but we did have a plan to try to make sure everything was organized if some negative stuff going. So I went and talked to Don. He said, "Okay, Tim. I said, okay, Tim. I'm gonna get you a fight. We we back. We back. We friends. We 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 cool now." And he said, "I'm gonna get you an easy one this time. You just be re- you know just be ready, right?" So I didn't really train for this fight. I didn't really train because I said, "Don, me and Don cool again." So I just trained regular. So here the fight is in L.A. 
So we flew to LA. As soon as I got to the airport, the people that picked me up said, You in shape? I said, Oh man, right done, away, done. Huh? Yeah. So you in shape. Right away. <laughs> yeah, Tim. And so I said, I said, uh, I'm okay. I'm just going, I just we just got an easy one this time. And they said, Well, I don't know what you mean by easy. This guy just knocked Greg Page down. I said, What? And she said, Yeah, this dude is a killer. And I was like, I was like, I've been set up. That's the first thing. I said, oh, God. Then, then when we got back to the hotel, a couple of my friends came up to me, uh, senior people and stuff, said, Tim, we've been waiting down there because we knew they was going to pick you up at the airport to tell you, to talk to you, because if you ain't in shape, you in for a hard fight. So I was like, oh, man, I got set up. Don just want to use me just to get the other guy a, a step up. So I said, oh, I'm in trouble. I better go run. So I went up to the room. I, I wasn't loud. I was like, oh, let me hurry up. And I went change my clothes. So I was running. I ran where the Lakers pay, play. Where that stadium mm -hmm. where the Lakers um, play? I don't know. I can't think off the top. Uh, Coliseum. Yeah, Coliseum. So I started running. I was running. Then a car pulled up. It was my trainer Slim. He said, what you doing out here? Uh, what you doing out here running? You fighting in a couple of days. I said, Slim. They said this guy not gravy. See, I heard about it. I said, he said, get in the car. He said, if you do any running now, you definitely gonna lose the fight. So I said, he said, what was you thinking? He said, get in the car. So I got in the car. He said, if any, he said, go lay down. He said, go in your room, watch TV, don't do anything. He said, if you would have kept on running, don't you know that you would have had nothing left? So I'm starting to learn stuff then. So I said, okay, okay, the fight come. Everybody was like, I could see where I was set up when the, some of the people, I could see the way everybody was looking and stuff. So I said, yo, we're going to have to pull this off. So we, we get down to the fight. I'm nervous as hell. There's Mark the Chill Wills, right? Okay, so the fight come. We get in the ring. I'm like, man, I'm going to do, I'm going to try my best, you know, keep my hands up. And Slim said, Tim, you're going to have to do it. Do this. So the bell rung. I knocked him down. Boom. Every round after that, he kicked my head. <laughs> I knocked him down the first round. Yeah. I guess that's because I was like, man, this guy, they putting him in there to beat me. And I, I got him. He went down. He whipped my behind every round after that to the ninth round. Okay, ninth round come. The bell rings, right? After, no, I mean, the tenth, the tenth round get ready to come. So I'm in the corner with Slim. Slim saying, Tim, if you don't win this fight, your career is over. He said... This is one of your most, and put you screaming at me. This is one of your most important fight. And if you don't win this, Tim, we out of here. Mm -hmm. He said, you got to knock him out. Bell ring. We bang him. Boom, 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 boom. I knocked him out. Boom, boom, bam, boom, bam. <laughs> so I knocked him out last round. Yeah. Oh, no, no, yeah. The ninth round? The ninth. You said ninth. It was the ninth round. I knocked him out. Okay. No, it was the tenth. Mm -hmm. It was a tenth, yeah. <laughs> Knocked him out. So after the fight, went to the bathroom, urinated blood. Blood was in my mouth. My, that was my hardest fight. My, I, had, I had scratches on the side. Uh, we went to the doctors. They rushed me to the doctors because I urinated blood. And they couldn't find nothing. But he said, he said I would say that you really um, over-exerted over yourself, yourself yeah. because I wasn't in the right shape. Right, right, so right. that was the hardest fight of my life. Right. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, 
pissing blood and knocked him out. Yeah. yeah. No, at, that was because I overworked my body. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I had to get before. it done. You did that? You yeah. urinated blood? Fight, yeah. Um, Whoa. And, and, and not just urinating. It was during the drug test after the fight. The blood came out. Yeah. And it was, I think it's because oh, I lost, God. I lost weight. Yeah. Uh, and I was really drained. Uh, and overexorted myself. So we got something in common. <laughs> <laughs> so, I didn't know that, Tim. Yeah, yeah. How, how, um, I didn't how know was that. it being a trainer of your uh, son? How about that? How about I put you, you know in what? like that? You know what, Tim? I was really, when, 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 when um, like after the transition, I didn't realize the transition. I had a lot of knowledge. I just knew how to be a champ, uh, a champ and a boxer, but I had to learn how to be a trainer. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize that then. Now I do. Mm -hmm. You have to transform. Somebody has to be there to help you transform over. And that was my thing. I would Slim taught us good. He taught us how to do slick stuff. Yeah. Taught us how to do everything. Look how good I could talk. You put some of them ex-champions on there. They can't talk like that. Right. Um, so then you pass that. I can talk still. You know, <laughs> I got my own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, and... um. I think, you know, as a trainer, you did a good job. We, yeah. You know, uh, we won more than we lost. You know, 10, 16 professional fights you took me through. I won 10 of them. And, and the fights that I lost were against people that are still undefeated, mm -hmm. world champions. Uh, so I think that we, uh, I, I appreciate it. We did a good job. Did, yeah, everything that you we did. We did a good job. And now we got two. He was rushing too, Tim. We was kind of like. I was learning on the job just like you was learning on the job. You but, know? but you know what happened too? I was like, I was like, uh, wasn't I still fighting? Did, did, did at I, first. At, at, at near first. the end, yeah. Um, when I was uh, an amateur, let me see, when I won the Golden Gloves, I don't think, were you still fighting? I think that might have been like the last year you fought. Yeah. Uh, 04. Um, I think it was I didn't really know how to transfer real fast. I had the knowledge. I was I was I was showing you stuff too, but I wasn't there. I kept going in and out. Blaming yourself, look out. No, no, the bottom line, Bruce and Tim, everybody wanted to train. We trained you. I yeah. trained with you. I had the knowledge. I had I just didn't I just didn't know how to be a trainer so fast like that. I had the knowledge. I could teach you. But it's different. When you switch over, you got to switch over to be a trainer right, in right. your mind. I didn't have that. You know, if Slim was around, maybe he could have helped. You would have definitely... He uh, trained me a couple times. Yeah, he did. He did. So that was my problem. Um, Learning how to be a trainer. I usually tell people that when I was getting ready to fight, you were more nervous than I was. Yeah, I was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 I was. Yeah, yeah I was. I, I don't, you know, you got the false teeth. Yeah. I don't ever see him chewing gum unless before a fight. <laughs> I don't ever see him chewing gum That was a great a experience, though. Um, um, training with Stevie, your uncle had to work with you a lot, yeah. and me and him bumped heads a lot. Yeah, okay. yeah we yeah. bumped heads a lot, and that that caused a little bit of this 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 uh, you know little problem there, but not a really big one, you know. So so um, I do believe if I was ready um, to transfer over, his outcome would be a little bit different too. So I had to learn how to be a trainer, and and a lot of people don't do that. You just still right that, that's still well, special. You got to. Share a pro career together, though. That's yeah, and and um, the next time we bring you on the show, we're gonna have T three next to you, and have all <laughs> three of us on there because we okay. got Tim Witherspoon the third, who 
Um, I, for me, I was waiting for him because being somebody that did it since I was little, yeah. I'm like, I'm not going to just be here pushing him through it. Um, but it seems like it's something that he wants to do now. Yeah, uh, he's definitely. pushing himself. Yeah. Um, and he got two professional fighters that, you know, come before him. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to be in the, in the uh, locker room nervous, chewing the gum now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, how, how, how do you feel about T3? <sighs> what a nice kid. That's the thing. That's all you can say at first. You might have a different experience, but um, he's a really nice kid. They said that about me. They said that about you. That's what leads me to believe he's going to be a good boxer. Um, I do think that he has a lot of uh, something built up in him, and he's going to let it. He's going to let that energy come out in a positive way. If we if we connect our dots together and put them right. You know, but you run in the show. You gotta be you there with him all the yeah, time. Yeah. I'm just there to um, help him learn how to keep so he can talk just as good as I can talk yeah. when it's over. So um, we we got a good thing going if if we can make it work. Seriously, definitely, definitely. definitely. What do you think about the current? Uh, this is a generic it's, question. It's okay. Hey, what do you think about the current? Uh, the way that things are in boxing right now in the current era. I, I think that uh, I think that the money the money that's flying around is pretty good that that they're getting. Um, when I look at it, seems like the culture of or, or the skills the skills are changing. Like back when you got the taste of some of the old stuff <laughs> that that they do. Um, a lot of people are like the European styles, like keeping they putting their hands up. A lot of people are doing that now in America, where you didn't catch you didn't catch uh, 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 Slim Robinson and Georgie Benton doing this, doing this. When you know you could do this, you can get a point. You can get a point. So yeah. is that profiling? Is that like being pretty um, or something? I think you can get a point if you put your hand out this far. Yeah, for you me, just hit them. For me. Um, when we used to train over in Europe and stuff. Oh, right. They, yeah, yeah. They really idolized the Cuban amateur boxers. Okay, yeah, okay. Um, and that's really what the Cubans used to do a lot. So I don't know if that's what they are trying to emulate mm -hmm. or adapt to. Um, but I feel like maybe that's where it started. Maybe a coach or something, a couple coaches um, were studying the Cuban team. Um that, that, I don't know. I think they saw Floyd Mayweather do a lot of that too, and a lot of people imitating uh, things that he does, and they don't realize that you can't do that. Mm -hmm. You got to find out who knows the foundation of that type of and style. Then make it your own. Mm -hmm. Yeah, way and yeah. Create it. You know, with that hand and, and yeah. stuff. But before, back in the day, um, the old the old timers they used to, you know, plant their feet, yeah. slip pairs, That's slip. They, they used to bounce all the time. You make a good point because. The amateur rule system used to be different back mm. then when Sugar Ray Leonard was doing it. You oh, were, right. You yep. were allowed to do all that stuff. Okay. And then uh, they changed the rules. Okay. Now you're not allowed to roll anymore. Yeah. And you gotta, yeah. So maybe that's something that they feel like it keeps them safe, that point system where you got to hit them with the white glove or something. Yeah. And then that comes up and turns into the pro style. It's like education. It's like yeah. you're going to university. You were in college or you were in 12th grade when you're in the amateurs. And then when you graduate... Uh, when you get out of the amateurs, you turn you turn yeah. pro. So it is they're making it like it's like it's some type of uh, uh, education, like system. yeah, system, yeah. and there's a lot Way of stuff about boxers. yeah, yeah, and um and then you graduate to professional, uh, but you can't use 
you can't you can't use um uh certain stuff if I this is what I think they should do real quick. Mm-hmm. They should allow that stuff because when you're you doing it in the amateurs and then when you turn, turn pro, pro you don't you, yeah, you don't yeah. know how to, you're not prepared. Yeah. And yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. You gotta you gotta learn some stuff. And it's stopping people being creative in there too. Yeah. No, that's the key. That's the key. Creative, yeah. Being creative. Um, I want to go back into your past um, because you're sitting in front of uh, Muhammad Ali right now. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, And and it would be a shame if we didn't mention mention uh, Ali and your Mm -hmm. history with him and... and, uh, your baby picture. Yeah. How, how I got a baby picture. He, tried, he just tried yeah. to get his mom's yeah. phone number. That's all. Oh, you're talking about Ali. Ali tried to get his baby. It's Don um, King. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, Don King's wife is short, too. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Oh. <laughs> uh, but he played a big part of uh, who you are. Um, early on. Well, in a lot of rare, people. A lot of people, yeah. yeah. And... Uh, it's kind of trickled down to us too. Yeah. Um, how did you end up even meeting or, or getting a job with Ali? Well, I was I was sparring with Matthew Saad Muhammad. It was Matt Franklin then mm-hmm. at Ali's camps. Because Ali, when Muhammad leave his camp, um, you know, other other boxers could use this it. This is at Deer Lake. Deer Lake, Pennsylvania. Right. Yeah. So um, this was around the time I left Clarence Booker. And I was sparring with me and your uncle Anthony was sparring with Saad Muhammad, Matthew Saad Muhammad at the time, and um, and and I had Nick Bellafury's phone number, his trainer, and he had mine. So they called me and said, uh, you know, we going up Ali's camp. Won't you go with us? That was right at the time when I found out that Clarence Booker uh, didn't tell me about Larry Holmes wanting to pay me a thousand a week, mm. and so I was mad when somebody told me. They said you didn't. Uh, and I didn't talk to Clarence. They said, "Yo, you just get a thousand bucks to go spar out, uh, spar with uh, Larry Holmes." And and so I never went to Clarence Book. I just left and went up there with Saad Muhammad. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. Yeah. And when I went up there, what's the question you asked? <laughs> how did you? Yeah, how did you get to be with yeah, um, yes. Muhammad? Okay, okay. we spar. We spar with. Uh, <laughs> we spar with Saad Muhammad, or was it with? It was with Saad Muhammad because I sparred with Eddie Mustafa also. Okay, so we was in there boxing. I boxed with Saad Muhammad, and then Ali comes in out of nowhere. He just cars pulled up, but we I didn't wasn't paying the mind. I was sparring, and then um, um, Muhammad walks through the door. Everything stopped. Everybody stopped. Right. Yep. And Ali came in. Start yo, you know, doing all this and being friendly and everything. Um, and and then he was saying. He was saying, yeah, I'm getting ready to fight Larry Holmes. Yeah, he was talking to other people. Then we started sparring, and then we stopped. We, started all, we was all talking. He saw me spar a little bit, and he, and he said, I want, I want you to be my sparring partner. I'm getting ready to fight. That's how it started. I want, I'm getting ready to fight Larry Holmes. And I said, hey, okay, all right. And so um, I gave them my phone number and everything, and then I went home. After the camp, I was with Saad Muhammad. He fought... Um, Who's the guy from England? John Conte. Remember John Conte? We were in Belfast in Ireland. Yeah, he was in Belfast, right? You fought in Belfast? No, we were over there for a dinner show. Oh, right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so so yeah, we met John Conte. Really nice guy. Really nice guy. And and so after that fight, 
after that fight, I went and started sparring with Muhammad Ali. It was a great experience. What? Who would want to be like this guy? You know, mm-hmm. he he would be sleeping in his bed, and people would sneak behind the back, behind security, to try to wake him up, to talk to him, or get an interview. And if they did that, and then the security would try to come get them, he would tell them to leave him alone. I seen him do it like four or five times. They would sneak past the kit, the gym. You sneak past the gym to get to his room in the back, and the kitchen is over this side, and they would sneak through. And Ali would just stay up. He would stay up, and I said, man, I want to be like that. I want to be able to be like that. And he was really cool. Yeah, so who fought Larry Holmes first, you or him? He did. He did? Yeah. Because right, I know it was around the same. How, how many fights after uh, Ali do you know that you fought him? Okay, so he fought him in... Um, he fought him in 80 or something, right? I fought Larry Holmes in 83. He fought him in 80. Okay. Oh, and I just turned pro in um, 1980. Three yeah. years, yeah. Three years. I had a good teacher. But yeah. then three years, you fighting for the heavyweight yep. world title. Yep. That, that's uh, an incredible feat. That's yep. something right without, there. I couldn't do it without yeah. Slim, though. Yeah, <laughs> but if we just take the part of your life where you came home from college and started the gym... To the point to where you fought Larry Holmes for the world title, three years, that's mm-hmm. enough right there to make a movie. Let alone. Let alone yeah. uh, <laughs> I want to get in Let alone uh, where you had to go through growing up in the city, like we talked about earlier, and some of the things where you didn't talk about, but you said that we had it rough uh, growing up a little bit in the uh, suburbs. Um, no, let, let me go ahead. Go. Okay, let me say this. I I think we got away with murder too. Yeah. Because um, right by not by doing the sports, by doing the sports and being somebody being on top of us like Tommy Wade, Peter, and 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 like my mom was always there, and I just don't want to disappoint her. That's what helped us also. Right. Yeah. Right. And um and um you know so that that's what really uh, got us in the right direction. And plus, by by nature, I didn't want to. I don't want to be in no bad stuff. Right. Yeah, I wanted the world to be better. I know a lot of young kids are like that. They see all this killing. Mm-hmm. They don't want to be growing up, uh, uh, growing up with stuff right. like that. That's how I was. And genetically, you pass that down to your kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're yeah. all doing positive things. Yeah. You know, you're here at Witherspoon Boxing and Fitness, <laughs> uh, daily now. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm not yeah. going to tell people when you come in because you don't want to be around people. No, let, corona right now. no after Corona, Tim, I'm not doing that. I'm not um, doing the Corona. Yeah, so uh, real quick before we end the show because uh, we got a lot to do today. You got to bring um, me back. Though. Yeah, yeah, we're going to okay. bring you back. Yeah, we're okay. going to bring your grandson on here. Okay, cool. Uh, have a have a, a Tim show. Uh, <laughs> Is there is there um anything that you want to say to your fans out there? Real well, real quick. My whole life, random people been sending me your mail with with with, <laughs> with can you autograph this and, yeah. and pictures. So you got a lot of fans out there. Um, and this is going to be all around the world. Um, you have a message that you want to spread. No, well, I I do have um something to a message and something to say about about me. And what I think I could have achieved if I was thinking a little bit different. Mm. Um, I had the opportunity to be as great as Tyson and Muhammad Ali. I'm not saying greater or just as great. Somewhere in that area. If only I would have had the 
had the right backing, if only I would have trained harder. Things always happen after it's over. And yeah. you look back and say, man, if only I would have did that. And plus, I was a nice person, too. And I wanted to spread love, and I wanted to help people and stuff like that. I don't have the opportunity to do that now. I do, but I wish I had it then. Because that's when the money was flying, and that's when the publicity, you know, the, the, the cameras and everything. I just did. It happened so fast. What? It happened so fast. You still got time to do it. You could have ever did was raise a young black suburban. Because <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, uh, we... That pay me for that. We, 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 we are representing... Uh, uh, us in a, in a positive way and, and we are doing exactly what you said with giving back yeah. and helping out the community so yeah. um, I appreciate you for that thank you that's two time heavyweight world champion Tim Witherspoon terrible Tim terrible Tim on the Young Black Suburban Podcast yeah, thanks for coming in and joining thank you okay <laughs> alright that was cool I like doing that, but see, this is the problem. We don't, we don't, like they...